For those who are joining us online, want to welcome you to our services on this morning. Uh, Brother Viltz is traveling. He is in Monroe, so we want to pray for a successful uh, visit to Monroe and a safe travels back. So you're stuck with me on this morning. I've got just a few words for you to share on this morning that I hope will be encouraging and hope will be enlightening. As I uh, study the Bible over the course of the week, this week was a week of sort of reflection. Um, and there are a couple of things that, as I reflected over the course of the week, that I thought it was okay to share some thoughts with you all this morning. So my reflections were on, uh, you know how as children of God, uh, and just as people, we read in scripture, we go through things that sort of get us to a place where uh, we sort of elevate, right? We, we get on 10, right? Uh, let me give you an example. I got a personal example, and then I want to give you an example from scripture, and then we'll jump right into the lesson. Uh, growing up, uh, again, I don't know if this applies to you all, but we had folks that roamed the neighborhood that we call boosters. I'm seeing if anybody relates. So folks that roamed the neighborhood called boosters, um, they would they were thieves, right? They would steal stuff. And they would come to your home periodically and try to sell you stuff, all right? Again, we called them boosters back home. You all may have a different name and you may have never experienced this. But I was a young man, uh, very young, uh, at my mom's house and some boosters came by. And they had a big black trash bag full of stuff that they had stolen. So as they started to slowly take items out of the bag and show it to folks at my mom's house, um, they pulled out some offering trays and some communion trays. Uh, Y'all just let me say that I lost it. Stealing ain't good in any way, but if you have the audacity, the unmitigated gall to go up in the Lord's house and steal offering trays and communion plates and take it a step further and bring it to my mama's house to sell it to somebody, I got a problem with that. So I'm just saying that in this particular moment, uh, my wife, I don't even know if we were married at the time, we were really young, but my girlfriend at the time, or my wife, Vanessa, she was there and had to hold her brother back, right? Because for me it was, you can do a whole lot, uh, but what you ain't going to do is steal from the Lord's house and come trying to sell it to me. All right, that's just a personal example. All right, and I'm sharing this with you all. I'm going to get to my lesson. It ties into my lesson. I'm just trying to set some context. There's another example in Scripture. Turn over very quickly, John chapter 2. This example is in multiple Gospels. But I just like the one in John chapter 2, around verse 13. Just want to give you some context. Just as I was beside myself on this particular evening, I can actually read in scripture where Jesus himself was on 10, y'all, because of some things that were being done. John chapter 2, let's start at verse 13. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves, and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple, and the sheep 
and the oxen and poured out the changers money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. Y'all, Jesus rolled up in the temple and saw that there were people up in the temple doing things they had no business doing, selling goods, exchanging money. And Jesus went up in, and if you notice in John 2, again, you can read it in a couple of other gospels, he took cords and braided them. He made a whip, y'all, and he went up in the temple and cleared the place out and said, what you're not going to do is come up in the temple treating this like a marketplace. So again, as I am reflecting over the course of the week, I said, how about I just share a few words with the congregation this morning on the subject. Go ahead and put the subject up, brothers. Put the subject up. What you're not going to do is. What you're not going to do is. I think it is important for all of us, self-included, every once in a while, to just be reminded, because these are in, this is things in Scripture. There are some things, y'all, that we just ought not do. And again, it's easy to gloss over them or to look at the context around them. But I'm just going to share just a handful of things. Won't keep you long. You know, what you're not going to do is, and I'm going to lay out just a handful of things. I won't be long. Turn over. What, here's what you're not going to do. First thing you're not going to do is, first point, is be like the nine lepers. What you're not going to do is be like the nine lepers. Turn over to, to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. And I'm going to do a bit of reading this morning because I want you to have the context of what's going on here. Luke chapter 17, I'm going to begin verse number 11. And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, Jesus, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. What you're not going to do is be like the nine lepers. There were ten that were all ten left. And note in scripture, said, go see the priests to be cleansed. The Bible says on their way, they were cleansed. The priests didn't do the cleansing. Jesus did the cleansing. And so that you all are aware, leprosy is a terrible skin disease. When you have leprosy, uh, you cannot engage with the rest of community. Even if you have family, you have to be set apart, set aside from everything. Tenfold. 
only one from the 10 paused and said, wait a minute, let me go back and thank the one who cleansed me of this terrible disease. The Lord's been good to us all. He's cleansed our bodies. He's cleansed our minds. He's cleansed our hearts of some terrible, dirty things. And the least we can do is turn around, go back, and say, thank you, Lord. Ten lepers were cleansed. Nine skipped right on having been cleansed, refusing, resisting, turning around, and simply saying, thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for me. I don't have to ask you whether or not what is good to you. I know the answer to that already. He's been good to you. The question is, have you said And if you have not said thank you, as long as there's air in your lungs and blood in your veins, I'm going to encourage you to pause and just say, thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done for me. What you're not going to do is be like the nine lepers who refuse to thank the Lord. Second thing that you're not going to do, what you're not going to do is be like the Pharisee. What you're not going to do is be like the Pharisee. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, let's start at verse 10. Luke chapter 18, and I'm actually going to start at verse number 9. Luke chapter 18, 9 through 14. And he spake this parable unto certain, which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Verse 10, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. What you ain't going to do is be like the Pharisee. When you pray, when we pray, praying that I'm glad I ain't like him. I'm glad I'm not like her. When truth be told, we all got a whole lot of mess in us. We all need the Lord, just like this publican said, Lord, just have mercy on me, a sinner. We all attempt at times to stand pure, justified, not acknowledging that had it not been for the good Lord on our side, where would we be? Had it been for the Lord intervening on our behalf, doing for us what we cannot and would not even do for ourselves, where would we be? I like the publican, and you all know that a publican was a tax collector despised by men, 
why the Pharisee felt, I guess, in his heart, it's okay to say, I'm glad I ain't like him. And here we have the publican having the humility, not even to face his eyes up to heaven. The Bible says he just beat on his chest and said, dear Lord, have mercy on me when we pray. And we should pray often. If nothing else, the words we ought to pray should be, dear Lord, have mercy on me. What you ain't going to do is be like the Pharisee with a conceited prayer, a prayer as if you got it all together, as if you were somehow better than someone else. You only look down on a man to reach down and pick him up. Any other reason for looking down on a man, the Lord is not pleased with. What you're not going to do is be like the Pharisee. Number three, what you're not going to do is be like Ananias and Sapphira. Do y'all remember that husband and wife, that duo, as they came before the Lord? Turn over to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Ananias and Sapphira. Acts chapter 5, verse number 1. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession. Now, I want you all to pay attention to the words here. Now, what's going on? You have a husband and wife that sold a possession. And pay close attention to what transpires over these next few verses. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Verse number three, but Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, carried him out, and buried him. Verse number seven. And it was about the space of three hours after. When his wife, not knowing what was done, came in, and Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead. And carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon the church and upon as many as heard these things. What you're not going to do is be like Ananias and Sapphira. They had a possession. They sold it. All appropriate. All they were asked is, what you sell it for? How much did you sell it? based on what you are bringing to the Lord. Both lied. First, the husband. Yeah, we sold it for X amount. Lied. And what happened? The Lord struck him down where he stood. The Bible says three hours later, here comes his wife. And Peter just asked her the same question. How much did you sell this for? She too lied. 
just like her husband. Guess what happened to her? Thing. Struck. Buried. Right next to each other. Brothers and sisters, the Lord blesses us all with time, with talent, with treasure. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is, based on what the Lord has blessed us with, how much are we giving back to him? I understand there's a whole lot of stuff going on in our lives that we deem important. The question we have to ask ourselves is, is it that important that it comes between us and the Lord? Is it that important where I would elevate it above a given time, talent, and my treasures to the work of the church. Many of us are going to go dancing through this life, happy as can be, only to stand before the Lord and have to give an answer for, out of all that time I blessed you with, how much did you give back to me? Out of all that talent I gave you, you went on your job for 45 years. You were employee of the month, countless times, names on the plaque, on the wall, in the hallways of your employer. But church folk had to beg and plead with you just to do a little work around the Lord's house. He blesses us with treasure. You may not think you have much, but if you think you have much, let me send you to a few places that have far less than you have. The moment you think that, oh Lord, I just don't have, uh, I can send you to some places where they are truly without. Most of us are around here complaining about what we don't have, driving in something that's actually pretty nice, living somewhere that at minimum keeps the rain up off your head. Most of us walking around here with a few extra pounds, so we definitely eating right point is this. We're going to stand before the Lord, each of us, individually. You can't stand for me. I can't stand for you. But when we stand and give an account, just like Ananias and Sapphira, we may say to ourselves, I ain't never stole from the Lord. I ask you to, haven't you? If you have time, talent, or treasure that you've chosen to spend all kinds of ways other than in service to and for the Lord and his people, you're going to have to give an account. And all I'm encouraging you to do on this morning, which is consider what the Lord has given you. Consider how much you are giving back to him. Ananias and Sapphira paid with their lives on the spot. And we were talking about this this past Wednesday in Bible class. Some of us think that uh, the God we serve now is different than the God that we read about in the Bible. Because the Lord ain't struck some of us down on the spot, I guess we think that he's not capable of how terrible would it be, just think about it, how terrible would it be if when we chose to not give to the Lord the way that we ought to give to him, what if he struck us dead on the spot? This would be an empty building today is what it would be. I'd have no audience to speak to. There'd be no speaker speaking to you. Back, we should be aware and thankful that we serve a God who is full of grace and full of mercy. That even when we fall short, even when we do foolish things, the Lord still loves us and he will still have us back. But y'all, the Lord is going to, there's going to be a great reckoning where we're going to have to give an account for what we do. 
That's why we stand and we preach and we teach and we sing the songs that we sing is to remind us of our responsibility as Christians that we do and live the way that we ought to do and live now because life is short, y'all. There's not a day that goes by. I heard in our prayer this morning, we're talking about the shooting in the schools. It doesn't take a genius to figure out, y'all, that uh, we're in the last days. Uh, we know that we were in the last days the moment Christ came back because there's nobody else coming. But the point is, y'all, the more shootings there are in schools, the more killings there are on the streets, the more violence there is in the homes, it should be, at nothing else, a reminder and encouragement for us to live a life for the Lord. Why? Because, y'all, we're going to get up out of here in a minute. And when we do, the question is going to be, did we live a life such that we can stand before the Lord and hear those words, well done, thy good and faithful servant? I can't answer for you. I can only answer for me. But I'm challenging us this morning to be reminded. We see yet another example with Ananias and Sapphira, where all they had to do was tell the truth. There was no problem with having property. There was no problem with selling it. The problem is they lied. And the question for us is, the next time we say, I ain't got time for that, whatever it is, I'm going to ask you to think again. Do you not have time to serve the Lord? Do you not have time to give to the work of the church? Because any other time you spend, it just ain't as important as the work that goes on here in the Lord's church. And you can say it now, say it later, don't say it at all. We are each going to stand and give an account for out of all the things that the Lord gave us. And he's given us all much. What did we do with what he gave to us? What you ain't going to do? Next one. It's be like the unmerciful servant. Turn back to Matthew. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18. All very familiar passages and scriptures. I'm doing this intentionally to just help remind us there are times where we sometimes can miss the forest for the trees. We're living Christian lives every day and miss the obvious that is sitting here right in front of us. Matthew chapter 18, beginning with verse, I'm going to go back up to 21, although it starts 20. Go back to 21. Matthew 18, verse number 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? It's a question. Till seven times. Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had began or begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. Just make note of that. Servant coming to his master. And he owes him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. Verse 26, the servant therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out, found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. Again, this is the same fellow who owed the talents above. He has a fellow servant who owes him just a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat 
saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that, he had called him and said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desiredst me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you. If ye from your hearts forgive not everyone, his brother, their trespasses. This gets hard, y'all. Forgiveness. I love the way Christ lays this out in the form of a parable because you have a servant who owes his master. And when his master says, because you owe me this great amount, I'm going to sell you and your wife and your children to get my money. He fell down at the master's feet and said, I pray thee, please forgive me this debt. And the master did just that. And the Bible says straightway he went to a fellow servant who owed him a fraction of what he owed. And when that fellow servant did the same thing he did, I pray thee, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. This servant says, nah. I can't do it. And y'all, it said, Bible says, he put his hands on him. Grabbed the fellow by the neck. Now, y'all know, like I know, somebody put their hands on your throat. That's trouble, right? Christ is trying to get folks to understand y'all. And with this parable, we can often be that first servant. We have done a number of things where we owe the Lord. And he said, don't worry about it. God said, I'll send my son who will pay this debt for all y'all. And he did so while we were yet sinners. And then some of us have the nerve to when confronted with forgiving someone else their debt, we have the audacity to say, no, I can't do it. The Bible says that, you know how God is going to treat us in judgment? If we don't forgive others, we are not going to receive forgiveness. Now, you notice in Scripture it doesn't say what people do to us. Most, if not all of us, y'all, have been through some terrible things where folks have done some terrible things to us or to our family members. Where for us, the first thing is, I'm trying hard not to put my hands on your throat. But if I can resist the temptation to put my hands on your throat, I, at least I'm not going to forgive you because you hurt me and you hurt mine. But when I read 
where the Bible says, if I don't forgive men their trespasses, that the Lord will not forgive me. Yeah, I just got to work extra hard at this thing because I know I need forgiveness from the Lord. And I know that you need forgiveness from the Lord. But in order to receive that forgiveness from the Lord, guess what? You got to forgive other folk. It don't matter what they did. And you don't have to try to explain to me how hard it was and the impact that it had on you and your family. That that doesn't matter. The Bible says you must forgive if you want to receive forgiveness. What we ain't going to do is be like this unmerciful servant. When folks sin against us, we got to work at it, y'all. But we got to forgive. When the Bible says, shall I forgive seven times seven? And the response is no, 70 times seven. That ain't no math exercise, y'all, where you get to count 70 times seven. That's 490. Let me get my pen out and start checking. All right, you at 357, you're getting close. It's trying to make the point that there is no limit on how often we forgive us. Why? There's no limit on how often God has forgiven us. And the moment we start putting limits on how much I can forgive you, be careful. Because the moment the Lord puts limits on us, we would have ran out. That would have expired years ago. We have expired our limits when it comes to forgiveness. We should be thankful that the Lord is limitless when it comes to his forgiveness. All we've got to do, again, is forgive others. When we stand, we have to do, y'all, is repent. What we're not going to do is be like this unmerciful servant. We have to be a forgiving people in spite of all the difficulties that people bring on us. Sometimes folks can do us dirty, y'all. I get that. The Bible still says we must forgive. Last but not least, what you're not going to do is be like the rich man. Turn over to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Let me begin around verse 16. Luke chapter 12, verse number 16, and I'll end at verse number 21. Again, this is Christ in his masterful teaching and teaching in parables. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain man, rich man, brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid upon or laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Yeah, what we're not going to be is like the rich man. When he contemplated and the fellow even talking to himself. And I said to my soul, soul, what am I going to do with all this stuff that I have? 
that's overflowing my barns. And he said, I got an idea. I'm going to tear down the walls and I'm going to build bigger barns so that I can keep all my stuff. Y'all, the Lord blesses all of us. He blesses some of us more than others. He blesses us all. And what we see here is someone who, instead of tearing down the walls and building a bigger barn, would it not have been great to hear this rich man say, since I have all this abundance, let me see who needs some fruit and vegetables. Any of us because we tend to get it twisted when it comes to what we have, thinking we have nothing. Y'all, we have much, all of us, because we can go places that have nothing. Many of us are going to stand before the Lord having received so much stuff that we had to tear down the walls and put bigger barns for it when there are people next to who are literally starving. I challenge us individually. I challenge churches individually and collectively. There will be no gold stars given out in heaven for those folks that have a bunch of stuff and got folks sitting next to them starving. We're going to have to give an account, y'all. Instead of building bigger barns, why not take a moment and see who needs a little assistance? To him who much is given, is required. There ain't nothing wrong with having a barn. There ain't nothing wrong with having a big barn. What is wrong is when you don't think about how can I help and do for others. I personally believe that the Lord does send to us blessings that he can send through us. Many of us, when we pray, we don't pay attention to the things that we pray for. Many of us often money, bless me with things, not acknowledging that, why would the Lord send you a whole lot of money if you're not going to give just a little bit to somebody else? Why is the Lord going to bless you with anything that you won't share with other folks? We pray for money, but we stingy and won't do right by the little bit that he's given us now. Why the Lord gonna give us more when we've demonstrated that we won't do right with the little bit he's given us now? He's blessed us with talents, y'all. Why he gonna keep blessing you with talents when he won't even use them in his service? I said before, I'll say it again. Many of us aspire to be employee of the month We'll work overtime, break our backs to make the world look favorably upon us. But when it comes to doing work up in the church, somebody's got to twist your arm, ask you 17, 11 times, only to hear, I can't do it. Let your employer call tomorrow and say, we got some overtime for you. After work didn't be done, we'll pay you time and a half for it double time. It's the holidays. We can't wait to get our socks and shoes on to get out and make that money. 
what the Lord is giving to us, y'all, is more valuable than money. He's giving us access to his son, access to the church, ultimately access to heaven. I don't know about you. Because I know that life is so short, because I can acknowledge that the Lord has been good to me, I don't need nobody encouraging me to praise the Lord. I don't need nobody to remind me to be thankful. I don't need, I don't need a season of thanks. That's what I don't like about the holidays, right? I don't, that's why I don't like Black History Month. I don't like months and seasons because it sometimes gives the limited human mind that I only got to do this stuff during the season. If you find yourself being nice, compassionate, and thankful in November and December because it is the season, I'm going to ask you to carry that over into January. Do a little bit of that thankfulness and that love and that giving in February. Black History Month is February. I'm black all year. So whatever good you're going to do to me or for me in February because it's Black History Month, do it in August because I'm still black, right? I still want the same love or whatever you've given me in February. I want it in August and September as well. The point here is God has been good to all of us in ways that we often overlook or underestimate. And when he does for us, all he's asking us to do is just give him a little bit back in return. And while you're giving it to him, give it to the person next to you. And while you're giving it to them, if everybody does their part, do you know how much need we would not have? Not only in the church, but in the world. I'm sitting here watching. I ain't hating. I'm sitting here watching them pay a head coach $100 million. And Baton Rouge got folks living under the bridge. I ain't hating on the man. All right. Go make your money, sir. My point is, when you look at the world we live in, y'all, what the Bible's trying to teach us is something very different than we see playing out day in and day out. What he's asking us to do, if I give it to you, pass it on, pay it forward, right? But we see what plays out in the world is something very different. I'm getting mine. Get yours. Very different model than what we see and the example that we see from the Lord. My point here is this, y'all. What we ain't going to do is be a selfish, self-centered, stingy, unthankful, ungrateful people. That's what we ain't going to be, all right? But here's what we're going to be. Put the last slide up. I'm done. Here's, here's what we're going to be. We're going to be all this stuff you see here and then some. This is what we're going to be. God's been good to us. So as a result, I'm going to be good to you. Because God has been good to you, you be good to her. Because God has been good to you, you be good to him. If the brother has need, help a brother out. If a sister has need, help a sister out. We got grown, older parents Help these young parents out trying to figure this whole thing out. You done been through it. Why don't you help them out? Folks who've been given just a little bit of something, again, time, talent, or treasure, because you got it from the Lord, he expects that you pass it on to someone else. We got generations of young folks, y'all, that's just looking for somebody, somebody to lead, somebody to lead them, and somebody to follow. All I'm saying is, for every young brother and sister out there, I'm not a perfect fella. You're not perfect either. But if there's going to be an example for our young people to follow, why shouldn't it be us? Because if it ain't us, it's going to be somebody else. Somebody else out in the streets. Somebody else that's doing something that doesn't have our young people's best interest at heart. So, y'all, we got a job to do. And what we ain't going to do is all the stuff I said before. What we're going to do is what you see right here. It's not an all-inclusive list. 
but it's a start. If you will commit to forgiving, commit to loving, commit to studying, commit to sharing, commit to just living and following the example that Christ himself left for us. And in all the parables that he shared with his disciples, just take a piece of all of those things and add to them and become a better person tomorrow than you are today. I pray that today you can, you can be, we can all be a little bit better than we were yesterday. Why? Because we learn a little more. And when we learn better, we ought to do better. Can't say it enough, y'all. The Lord has been good to us. And all he's asking us to do is to give back to him. And it's just a portion. And when we balk at giving back just that portion, he's going to ask us one day, when all the singing is done down here, all the praying is done down here. All the opportunities that we had are done and over with down here. We're going to stand before the Lord and have to answer to, what did you do with what I gave you? Who did you forgive or make a conscious decision not to forgive? Who could you have loved on just a little bit, but you chose to turn your head and walk the other way? How many people needed you? Just a kind word. Wouldn't have cost you a red cent. Just needed a kind word, but you made the conscious decision to shut up your mouth and not give them a kind word. Y'all, we're going to stand before the Lord. And the good news is, by just doing what he has not only called us to do, but y'all, he has given us everything we need to do these things. Guess where our home's going to be? Our home's going to be heaven. Life may seem long and arduous to hear down right now, but y'all, it's temporary. It doesn't last always. The Bible calls this life, it's like a vapor. It appears for a moment, but quickly vanishes away we all gonna leave here at some point to be older leave here we see young folk leaving here at alarmingly high rates and the point is whenever we leave here whenever however that we leave here ready ready to meet the lord ready to give an account to have that judgment conversation with the lord where he asks us and he displays for us, as the Bible says, laying out for us all that we've ever done, all that we failed to do, all that we've ever said, all that we've ever failed to say. Uh, it's enough to scare you, scare you into some get right, right? When you think about all the opportunities you've had to say or do something that is good and that is right, hopefully you've chosen the good more often than not, but we've all missed opportunities. We've all intentionally walked away from opportunities to do good. The good news is we serve a God who is full of mercy, a God who is long-suffering, a God who will receive us back if we repent and give ourselves to him. If you're not a member of the Lord's church, the interesting thing about the Lord is he's as much loving and goodness and kindness is in him there's also only truth in him. And so if you don't become a member of his body, he does not recognize you. And when he comes back for his own, you're not in his church. 
he's already declared he's not coming back for you. You don't even have an opportunity to get on the bus to heaven if you haven't gotten your ticket punched by becoming a member of his body, by hearing, believing, repenting, confessing, and being baptized for the remission of your sins. And for some of us that's in the church already, and some of us have been in the church for a long time, the number of excuses and reasons we have for not living for the Lord, they get smaller and smaller. They dwindle more and more over time. The more you sitting up in the building, hearing these messages, singing these songs, and not doing what the Lord expects you to do, that's going to be a very interesting conversation you have with the Lord in judgment because he has already demonstrated his love towards us all, given us everything we need to succeed in this life spiritually, and all he asks us to do is to serve him. If you are a member of the body, perhaps you've fallen short, you need prayer, perhaps you need to recommit yourself to this thing called Christianity, Lord, be and I ask you to take it before it is everlasting too late. Whether you need to put the Lord on in baptism or whether you need to repent of sin or ask for prayers in a special way, you may do so while we together stand and sing an invitational song.